1: Talk about an oxymoron. We have been set free to be slaves. Huh? We'll talk about that today on Abounding Grace as Pastor Gary Wagner continues our journey through the book of Romans. again, welcome to the broadcast. This is Abounding Grace. We, we have them, don't we? Uh, jumbo shrimp, military intelligence, two words that seemingly don't go together because they sound like opposites. Well, the title of our message today is one of those, and it's taken right out of God's Word. We are freed to be slaves. That's right, freed to be slaves. Let's join Pastor Gary Wagner today in Romans chapter 6, verses 15 through 23, as we explore this unique dynamic that is unique to God. Here's Pastor
2: Gary. Beloved, sin is the destroyer, the murderer of men. It has brought down powerful nations. It has brought down ours. It has infected once faithful institutions like Harvard and Princeton and others with so many deceptions That instead of being seminaries of righteousness, they are now synagogues of Satan. So, do we want to yield to this master? Paul says there is only one of two choices. Would we ever bring ourselves willingly under the tyrant? Some do. You know, if I told you, hey, Alex, there's a murderer stalking you down the street from your house. Are you going to start doing cartwheels and skipping about? No. You're going to take precautions against the murderer. But you know, we don't do this when it comes to our very souls. Listen to me, beloved. The more we sin, the more we give rain to sin. And it will fill you fill in the blank. Worry, lust, doubt, anger, exaggeration, lying, Wasting God's time, wasting God's money, and we could go on and on. I struggle with these things too, but you know, the more we sin, the more we inoculate ourselves against any sense of danger. The conscience becomes dulled, and the warning bell sounds only faintly, ding, 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 if it sounds at all. But the more we feed God's word, it goes off loud and clear. Boom, boom, boom. Don't, don't, don't go there. Don't go to the slavery from which the Lord Jesus Christ has already delivered you. So this word is given to us. Fling away the chains of sin for the sake of the mortal, immortal soul. For the sake of our families. For the sake of our nation. And especially For the glory of Jesus Christ who reigns at the right hand of the Father. Don't yield to sin. Verse 12. Fight it. All of the enemies you will face in this world. None is craftier. None is more persevering than sin. If you yield to it or stand near it. Dabble with it or play with it. This master may very well destroy you. Now embodied in verse 16. It's an idea that utterly destroys all antinomianism. So please pay close attention to it. Because surely some of you are being attacked at this very point right now. Either people ridiculing you or saying you're a legalist or whatnot. So let's just look at it for a second. Antinomianism against the law. It goes under two main masks today. Presumptive sonship. Or prove your sonship. You're a son of God. So don't worry about your sin. Don't worry about your duty. Or is it is an ignorant denunciation of obedience as legalism. So presumptive sonship or ignorant denunciation of obedience as legalism. You know, instead be free. Let go, let God. Follow your feelings, your heart, your favorite guru or whatever. Well, what is sin? Sin. Let's look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Do we even know what sin is without the law? It begins, whosoever. Now, remember, John is not writing here to the inhabitants of Las Vegas. No offense to any of my brothers and sisters who may live there. He is writing to believers. And he says, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. Notice now, here is our definition. This is the Holy Spirit telling us, that, us what sin is that we are not supposed to give in to, but fight against. Now, there is a phrase in the King James, transgression of the law. But there is only one word in the Greek, the word anomia, which is just an abbreviated form of antinomianism. Anomia, a in Greek, is an affix that means against opposed to, the opposite of. Nomos is the law. So sin is walking contrary to God's law. Sin is lawlessness. We can't even know what sin is unless we're studying God's law, His word, His will, wherever it is in Scripture to determine what pleases Him and what does not. Turn to Matthew chapter 7. Where our Lord says something very similar, telling us, and warning us who the false disciples were that will be finally exposed and rejected by our Lord one day. I want to know this myself because, it, because I don't want to be one of these. Like Paul warned, I don't want to preach to others and become a castaway from God's grace. Matthew 7:22. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, and in your name have cast out devils, and in your name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them. Let me tell you, this is something very important. On the day of judgment, what will matter most is not what you profess about Jesus, but what Jesus professes about you. So we better have our dealings with him now. Get our lives right because it will be too late when we stand before him. Back to the text, verse 23. And then I will profess unto him, I never knew you. What? We we preached in your name. We performed miracles. We did all of these things. I never knew you. But I was a Presbyterian. I was reformed. I had all the right books. I never knew you, ye that work iniquity. What is the word here for iniquity? It is the same word as in 1 John 3, 4, anomia, you who live against what God has said in his word. Now, I I say all this, and I go into the details to simply say, For Paul to say in Romans 6 that we are not to yield ourselves to be servants of sin. Where is he leading us to? To God's law. Do not sin against what God has said. When we disobey what God has said in his law, we bring ourselves back under this evil tyrant. And the only way we can see clearly to know what sin is is if we are taught by God's spirit. God's law, summarized in the Ten Commandments, but revealed throughout Scripture. Beloved, it is dangerous. It is a faithless abdication of duty for ministers to encourage believers to ignore God's law, like we see going on all over this land, for this will lead to even more sin and thus more slavery. You see, lawlessness is a denial of grace, you want to make a t-shirt slogan and make a few bucks? Use this. Disobedience to God's law is what denies grace. Disobedience to God's law it was, is what denies God's grace. Not, well, if you obey God's law, you're a legalist and that denies grace. No, it's just the opposite. See how nicely Satan has infiltrated the church Jesus warned of this. The wolves coming in and saying, Oh, no, no, no. Be free. Be joyful. Don't worry about duty. Don't worry about being convicted. You're a son of God. Live free. Don't worry about the guilt. Instead, the whole time, we're believing the exact opposite of what, Christ, what Scripture teaches. Scripture doesn't teach that obedience is the opposite of grace. Scripture teaches that disobedience is the opposite of grace. Lawlessness is the opposite of grace. Why? Titus 2.11. For the grace of God has appeared. And what does the grace that grace teach us? It teaches us to deny ungodly and worldly lust and to live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. Please don't forget this. The opposite of grace is not obedience. The opposite of grace is disobedience because Jesus died. Oh, and what a price he paid for our lawlessness. So do we then pick up the sword that slew him and say, well, I can sin. I've got grace. No, we look at it with hatred and loathing. I don't want to go back to that taskmaster ever. Beloved, this is one of the reasons we need to be careful about our diet, and I don't mean what we're going to have for dinner tonight. I mean the kind of preaching we hear, including from me. You've got to judge me, you've got to judge the books that you read. We need to be fed regularly upon the strong meat of God's Word, or we will lose the stomach for it. I've seen it in family after family. The preaching we hear must not be baptized humanism or spirituality sprinkled with a little bit of Jesus and grace. But lacking any penetrating call to obey God's word. Are we going to learn to hate sin if we're always being molly called? If the pulpit becomes a therapist's couch to make you feel better? I don't think so. Beloved, when God's glory is so much trampled in our culture, do we leave here, we, here with our only goal, I just want to feel better? Or should our hearts not be burdened because we have seen God's glory in his temple, the fruits of holiness in our lives and his word? We will not walk out of here and be smiling all the time if we live in an age like Jeremiah's where the church is in a Babylonian captivity and the nation in which we live is so determined in its rebellion. Beloved, we must certainly don't need to be mollycoddled. We need to be warned. Can we be mature disciples of Jesus if there's never any presentation of our duty? Never any call to holiness, to separation from the world. We need conviction. I need constant reminders of how much I am, as the old hymn says, prone to wander. Because until my heart is convicted by that, I'm never going to go to the throne of grace and hold on to it. I'm never going to be motivated to do that as long as everything is just okay. Everything is just sweetness and light. You know, one of the leading causes of the church's immaturity today is compromise with the world and an unwillingness to be challenged seriously by the word of God. Do you ever wonder why there are so few doctrinal controversies in the broader church? That's a bad sign, my friends. It's a bad sign that Silicon Valley is not agitated because the various churches here are not arguing about doctrines. I don't mean arguing vindictively, I mean seriously engaged about the differences between Baptists, Independent, Presbyterian, Charismatics, even Catholics, whatever it may be. What are the serious differences? And let everyone then get their nose in this book and see what God's will is. The fact that that this country is not agitated by doctrinal concerns is a sign. That practically speaking, we no longer believe in an inspired, absolute revelation of God. We no longer believe in an all-sufficient word. Well, I like it. My church likes it. My pastor likes it. It must be okay, right? You know, I've been so disappointed that many from our church have moved to other states without first finding a solid Reformed church and have compromised and been satisfied and joined churches that are weak in doctrine. And it's because we are not passionate about it, we don't want to be challenged out of our comfort zones. Beloved, I said one of the leading causes of our immaturity and compromise is the failure of preachers to bring our constant attention to the reality and the power and the effects of our union with Jesus Christ. He is ever leading us onward to holiness, conformity to His image in thought, word, and deed. Following Jesus is not a matter of having a few favorite verses or heightened emotions or enthusiasm with a social call. That's not following Jesus. Following Jesus is be willing to hear about sin and righteousness and justice because that is what he himself is doing in the world by his spirit. Following Jesus is a matter of being devoted and seeking glory to obey God. You know, in the light of the cross. Each one of us needs this confrontation and conviction, especially since we see true religion fallen upon such hard times and the love of many growing cold because iniquity is abounding everywhere. That is especially the time you daddies must make sure you get your families where God's word is preached untruncated because listen, this is from the lips of our Lord. When iniquity abounds, the love of many grows cold. Don't let yours be loved. By the way, that word iniquity there is anomia, lawlessness. When lawlessness, when disregard for God's law abounds, love grows cold. Why? Because our hearts don't like the challenge. Because it's easier to just fit in. Then go against the flow some think hey when it's really really bad out there I feel really really good about myself because there are so many bad people out there in the world who are far more wicked than I so I always come out looking shiny as a as a, a new nickel when I compare myself to them you see when iniquity is abounding that is where we need to be encouraged to stand strong on the Word of God and I pray that throughout this section you have been encouraged and empowered by our union with Christ. But we need some strong meat. We need to be continuously warned. Fight against sin. Don't give in to it. Resist it. So let's conclude with just a few applications. Here is a marvelous truth. God's grace frees us to obey him. Notice the antithesis. If your master is not sin unto death, then it is obedience unto righteousness. This is the other master, that benevolent despot, even the God of our salvation, to whom slavery is a delight. You know, for the redeemed, for the believer for you, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no greater joy than to walk with my God and Savior in obedience to him. Oh. I want more of this. I hope you do too. No redeemed person ever says. Obedience is drudgery. I wish I didn't have to obey God. Today. I wish I could just do what I want to do. Only those wedded to their own wills. Wills. Their own appetites. Are those who are trying to sell cheap grace. And will forever say. It is drudgery to walk. In obedience to God. Was it drudgery for Jesus since he's our model? John 8, 29. I always do those things. Always do those things. that Please, my father. Psalm 40, verses 6 through 8. When he came into the world, he said to his father, your law is written within my heart, and I delight. I delight. It is my pleasure because I know you better than anyone else. I came from your bosom, father. I am with you in power and glory and eternity. You are my God. You are my Father from eternity. And now there is no delight like the delight of walking in fellowship with you. And God's grace has come to us now and rescued us from our filth, so that we can share in our Savior's privilege. Do you want a full gospel church? You have a full gospel church. Not speaking in tongues and faith healing and all those others shenanigans a full gospel church is this jesus christ delivers men from the tyranny of sin so that we may be god's joyful slaves and walk in obedience to him not like slinky mercenaries trying to curry his favor or manipulate him to get what we want but as daughters of the king as sons of the king we are brought back under the rules of the house and of the kingdom the laws of our great god so that we can know his smile and walk in fellowship with him, not earning anything. Oh, forget earning. It's all of grace. But what is the grace? The grace is cleansing from the curse of sin, deliverance from the tyranny of sin, so that we are brought back into the king's house again and can walk freely in obedience with him. This is our Savior's joy. Here's one of the last things he said to his disciples in John 15:9 through 11. As a father hath loved me, speaking of the glorious eternal union between the two of them, so I loved you. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy, my joy, of obeying my Father, my joy at being at peace and harmony with God, these things I have spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. So much for drudgery, right? So much for boring Christianity. It is only boring because we haven't understood it properly, because we haven't truly seen what grace really is. Because grace is not simply I've done, I'm have done, i done with sin. Grace is I'm done with sin so that in union with my Savior, I can walk with God in obedience and have Jesus' joy fulfilled in me. So consider, men, where do you need to be more obedient to God to set things under God's authority more joyfully and under His pleasure? To do this, you may have to live temporarily with your wife's displeasure. Or perhaps your children's. But do you want to be a miserable slave of sin? Or do you want to be a joyful slave of the God of the universe who loved us and gave his only son for us? Maybe it's sin in your finances. Maybe it's your weak work ethic. Maybe it's your lust, the lust in your heart. Maybe it's family management or worship or whatever it may be. You're plagued with guilt and you look for the solution in this and that and the other thing. But here is the solution. Be consecrated to God through Jesus Christ and obey the father because joy comes through obedience to him. Nowhere else. Daughters of the king, consider carefully where you need to be more obedient. Are you content with your lot in life? with your home, with your husband? Do you seek to please your Savior or yourself? Complaining has not made you happy, has it? Nor has bitterness, manipulation, pouting, screaming. What will make you happy and give you peace is obeying God. Now I know what you think. How can that make me happy? For one reason, because God said so. Look at Jesus. God defines happiness, not us. Happiness is not a round-the-world vacation. Happiness is not a garage full of expensive cars. Look at many of those who have them. Divorced, involved in perversity, alienation from God. God says obedience is happiness. Because I know me and I know what will make you happy in me is to walk in obedience. So may we all devote ourselves to pleasing our great God in Christ and giving ourselves to living for his glory alone. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for delivering us from the power of sin and the kingdom of darkness, and for delivering us into the kingdom of your dear Son. And we pray that you would fill our hearts with praise and obedience for Christ's sake. Amen.